Chapter 2. Rock Village. It was not long after the sun's rise when the village center was flocking with merchants and performers once more. Flaky leather vests hung from travelers, and foreign markings decorated their faces and bodies. The stella atop Rock's tower gleamed across the morning sky, and birds sang along the chirping and cackling that rang through the village. A boy dressed in a heavy, brown coat rummaged through his pockets, and a rush, he revealed a small fistful of coins. A hundred and seventy pieces, sir, he said to one of the salesmen. No words were exchanged by the man, but he handed the young one a rucksack with tattered edges. The boy's name was Nezo, and a grin was smearing across his face as he darted off to a quieter area to inspect his loot. A vacant table among the training grounds seemed to be the best place to dump the bag. Thirty runes of wind, he reminded himself slowly as he counted. Thirty of water, twenty of earth, and ten of... Fire! The grin was squeezing his cheeks even tighter now. Sifting through the inner workings of his coat, he pulled out a sack that was in a better working condition, which held some magical equipment of his own. The pile of runes filled the bag to the brim, and he filed it back into his inner pockets. Nezo was one of the few magical beings among his village. Rather, he was one of the few who chose to pursue the field of magic, for anyone could be magical with proper equipment and proper training. The bags of runes was just one of the many contents of his jacket. Glancing up at the glowing Stella above, he was reminded that plans with his father drew near. Assuring he had retrieved all the contents from his supply, he dashed off in the direction of the tower. Ardeus was awakened by his father scratching a flint to spark the fire and heat the porridge on the stove. Morning, he spoke to his son. Ardeus grumbled and began the scramble to get dressed and get onto his feet. What'll be the work for today, father? He asked while strapping his boots tightly to his feet. Fifty oak boughs, chopped and processed by nightfall. Brutus plans renovation on the embassy, so I must travel west a ways to chop boughs of you. That's the lumber for the job. Leaving soon? He asked, beginning to strap his belt and straighten the buckle. Aye, I will. And what of me? He noticed the missing arrows from his quiver as he pulled the harness across his chest. I have something new planned for you today, my boy. The smile creeping across his face confused Ardeus. I saw what happened to old Whippy. A damn shame, but I found some fresh vegetables on the walk home from the mill. Let's have something scrumptious for a change, eh? The whole room was now brighter to Ardeus. He rushed to aid his father in chopping a pile of potatoes and onions. Those look even bigger than those of the farm. Aye, and that's not all, my son. His father set down the chopping knife for a moment, stepping over to his cot. You won't be joining me at the mill today. He pulled a weapon from behind the bed. It was an oaken longbow, smoother than any Ardeus had ever seen. That's... Ardeus dropped his knife on the counter. Turns out the merchants flock into our village have some muscle. They have a crew of three men who wish to work on the mill. Don't talk much that lot, but they agreed to work for twenty pieces a day. Only twenty? Aye, and I made this for you. I've talked with the bowmen along the wall about how it's done. With some help, I strung it and everything. Father... And this one will outmatch the one you've got tenfold, enough to penetrate wood, flesh, and the like. He handed the bow to his son. Listen, no more training sessions outside of the wall, son. Ardeus stared down at the weapon, not daring to look up. You're like your mother was, not afraid of nothing. You can hold your own, I trust that. You're my boy, but going out there alone is deadly, especially near nightfall. I'm... Ardeus shifted to one side, keeping the bandage on his leg out of his father's sight. I'm sorry, father. Today you stay in the village. Might even get done early at the mill and join you, he chuckled. 
They commenced preparing the meal, boiled it over the stove, and by the end their bellies were fuller than they had been in a long time. Ardeus greatly enjoyed the aroma of onions and spices that hung in the air for the remainder of their morning together. They exited their cottage, one after the other, and before parting ways they exchanged a hearty hug. Holding his new piece of equipment, he looked up at his parent. Thank you, father, he said. They exchanged one more hug, Ardeus made for the training grounds, and his father started to walk to the lumber mill. The boy dodged people left and right. He had never seen this area so populated. More and more merchants arrived with each day. First thing was first, he needed some arrows. Hopping up every now and again to get a glimpse over the heads of the surrounding people, Ardeus searched the courtyard for a vendor of bows and archery paraphernalia. A large, dark man was selling snakes of all sorts. Another, much thinner man sold jewelry of an unusual culture, low-hanging pendants and bulbous rings, studs of metal for decorating piercings of the flesh, and dye for painting oneself and one's equipment. A loud, grunting woman pushed a cart overflowing with leather armors and scabbards with symbols matching some among the other buggies. The performers were even stranger to Ardeus. A man covered in ink markings ate beetles and slugs, and followed by spitting them on the ground to watch them wriggle back to their senses. One of the performers had a monkey with which he dueled in hand-to-hand combat. Ardeus couldn't determine if this was his act or if he had fallen into an argument with the creature. At last, just past the village embassy, there was a foreign cart stocked with arrows long and short. Some had narrow heads, others wide. Some were lustrous, others were nearly broken. The sign in front of a pile of iron-tipped arrows read, Ten. Ardeus had only fifteen pieces within his rucksack. Although he was not paid much after working at the mill, his father did share some of his earnings. How many can I buy with fifteen, sir? He spoke, but the man just stood up, pointed to the pile of arrows, and grunted. Ten for how many, sir? Drugalak. The reply was gibberish to Ardeus. He picked up as many that could fit in his quiver, about twenty-five, handed all of the pieces to the man. With another grunt, he yanked the money from his hand and laughed. Confused, he slowly turned around towards the training ground, waiting to see if the man yelled at him for insufficient payment, but none arose. He sped off, gripping the purchase with all his might. This was the most impressive gear he had ever held. Only two other warriors occupied the training grounds. One, a young Boromite with a dangling, fluffy beard, seemed to be practicing his dual-wielding abilities. His origin was the land of Borom, a realm slightly smaller than Helm. The island off the eastern coast of Helm was occupied by a barbarian people. They spoke a tongue unlike that of the inland realms, and dealt little in the commerce as well. This man was one of many who had taken residence in the larger realms. He could speak fluently, but many of the other immigrants could not. Yar! He yelled, swinging the left axe immediately after the right. The other trainee was a middle-aged woman with a long staff of birch. The light wood complemented her blonde hair. Ardeus caught glimpses of gray strands when she walked by. Her training seemed to be finished. Off for some bow work, are ya? She asked. Testing some new equipment, his smile spread from his face to hers. My father crafted me this weapon out of oak from the mill. Aye, your pop sure does work hard. Be proud of that boy. She was familiar with the work done at the mill, as were most of Rock's residents. It supplied the village with all the lumber for construction, after all. Pardon that dummy to the right, she continued. The fires aren't quite extinguished after my bolts had struck. At a glance, Ardeus could see the charred upper half from her magic. Her mid-range shots must be fine-tuned, he thought. Next to it lay a training dummy that had been split in two. It had yet to be fixed after Rainier's event. She exited through the gate and finished with a quick, Farewell, young bowman. Ardeus knew her as Lynn Inchester, wife of Jalud. Together they raised three children and aided the village with their magical abilities alongside Nezo's family. 
The two groups of wizards provided Rock with a protection barrier in times of distress, a powerful offensive barrage of ranged spells and countless healing and preventative care for each and every member behind the walls. When the respected member of Rock had left, Ardeus picked his first iron-tipped arrow from the quiver and loaded his new bow. The string was twice as strong as the one he had tied, meaning it took twice the strength to draw the bow to its limit. He gripped the fletching of the arrow and tugged backwards. The gentle noise of the wood bending into place was nothing like his old weapon. It was the sound he heard when the defense along the walls pulled their strings, a heavy creak just before the whistling of the arrow being released. He closed one eye and held the arrow as straight as he could in the direction of one of the open dummies. His feet were mounted firmly into the loose dirt below. After a deep breath, he released his grip, sending the arrow deep into the chest of the target. It seemed instantaneous when compared to the bow of twigs. The smile could not be extinguished from his face. One after another, he shot the arrows from the string until the quiver was fully depleted. It took some time for him to yank the ammunition from the dummy. Some tips even poked out of the backside of its body. Just before another barrage of iron, Nezo unlatched the gate and made his entrance. He still wore the thick brown coat, and his blonde hair was in a mess, pointing in every direction. Good morning, Ardeus. Ardeus nodded and returned to his shooting. Hey, shouldn't you be wearing a Vembras or bracer of some sort? The boy was referring to a piece of armor that strapped to a bow user's forearm to protect the wrist and arm from bowstrings or arrow fletching. It also keeps any loose clothing away from being caught when firing. Well, I would advise you to get one for your shooting arm at the very least, he began picking through the contents of his jacket. Ardeus paid little attention to the comment and continued to fire. He managed to land a couple of blows into the head of the dummy. Nezo had retrieved a handful of runes from his jacket and had begun tossing balls of fire at the dummy already streaked with marks of flaming combat. His hits were not as precise as Lin's had been. Take a look at this, Ardeus. Grabbing a handful of a different type of rune, Nezo squeezed his fist and sparks erupted from his palm. The jolts of electricity were fierce when he fired at the direction of the dummy. Instead of hitting it and leaving a mark, it covered the target in a wave of static. There was no apparent markings or damage to it, but Ardeus figured it did more internal damage than external. Nice one, Nezo. Your father show you that? My mom, actually. My father's been away lately, busy with a project or invention of some sort, maybe even off at the wizard's tower. He sifted through some dirt with his foot and continued picking through his pockets. She's been showing me lots of neat things, actually. Watch this one. From his bottom left pocket, he grabbed a small vial of clear liquid. Smashing it to the earth below him, it enveloped him and his entire being, removing him from the training grounds. Nezo? Over here! The sound came from the direction Nezo had previously been, but Ardeus had seen no trace of him aside from a pair of footprints. I've become invisible for a short while. In- invisible? That's the word. Without a trace. Pretty cool, huh? After a few more moments, the magic was ended and Nezo appeared once more before the other boy. It's a spell of invisibility that the user can cast when this potion is released. He pulled out another vial. I knew of this magic, but I was never allowed to use them. Never sure why, really. All of a sudden, she showed me how to use all of these emergency gear. By this point, the sun was at its peak and beat down upon the heads of the three within the training grounds. The barbarian grew tired and his leathers were stained with a thick sweat that poured from the man. Ardeus thought his must smell like sour vegetables as the man strolled past him to exit the gates. The boy had managed a total of seven headshots, but was focused to land even more. The dummy at which Nezo was aiming had been burnt to a crisp. Black chunks fell from the limbs with each new barrage of attacks. Ardeus, he called. Hit that thing with all you got, motioning towards the target in front of him. With slight hesitation, he slowly drew the bow. 
It had gotten easier since he'd started. With a quick hiss and smack, the dummy's upper half erupted in an explosion of black debris. Wooden scraps hit the ground all around them. Some pieces were still speckled with red heat from Nezo's fire. The barbarian glanced at them with bewilderment. He had finished his training and headed out the gate. Both the boys were overcome with laughter. Looks like my dad needs to get more of these dummies in here. Ardeus nearly hit the ground laughing and pointing at the remaining three dummies in the training area. Before their fun had totally subsided, the gate opened once more and the muscular Rainier Rock made his appearance. On his torso, he wore only a thick leather strap to hold his blade along his back. The skin of his chest was bare. Coming to train in that, Rainier? Nezo asked. He smirked, but Ardeus had stood up and returned some loose arrows to his quiver. I do no such thing. Training is best done in real combat. He crossed his arms and puffed out his chest, not mindless tapping on these hunks of junk. I think they're pretty tough, actually. That one didn't keel over until just moments ago. What, your pop couldn't craft a dummy that actually moves, Ardeus? Maybe even something that strikes back? Ardeus was quiet. He walked towards the exit. I, for one, am going to train in the woods. I stopped here to see if anyone wishes to join me. I would, Nezo said. He was on his feet. Great, you can strike the trees where they stand. Better yet, you can hold my provisions. He burst into a laughter at his own sarcasm. Pipe down, my magic beats your sword, Rainier. Your father's magic, maybe. You have no such abilities. He silences volcanoes, stops waterfalls, teleports from realm to realm. Your magic is just a spark from a flint. And where are you going, Artie? The boy didn't stop to look back. With one hand on the gate, he said, Don't call me that. Off to work cutting wood like your father? Off to make the warriors of the village more shoddy dummies? Artie remembered the warnings his father gave him about the forest. He wanted to be safe, but he had struck the dummies too accurately today, and his blood was on fire. You'd better go on, then. Shouldn't be late. Rainier motioned for Ardeus to exit, and then he continued behind him. In the meantime, I'll go fetch some meat for dinner tonight. Have fun cutting logs, Artie. They parted directions. Ardeus didn't dare look back. He knew Rainier was taunting him. He enjoyed it when Ardeus left in a fit. He enjoyed boiling the blood of those around him. When the chatter of the other boys was out of his earshot, Ardeus sat down upon a bench just outside the blacksmith's forge. He could hear the pounding of metal behind him. Hugo, another barbarian who had taken residence in the village, swung the hammer. He only had one arm, his right arm, but it was enormous. Ding! 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 Bulging veins and muscles quaked with each contact his hammer made. The village was denser than ever. Clusters of people were strung across every area of the town now, even outside of the trading post. Workers had been hired at the mill, at the Grand Library, as builders, on the farms, and even on the wall. They desired such cheap payment and were experienced in most fields of work that the heads of the village couldn't help but welcome them into rock. Their stay seemed temporary and the language barrier was unavoidable, so Ardeus figured the extra work would be good before the winter came. The ends of his fingers itched with a desire to grasp the fletching of his new arrows. His progression surprised him and confidence filled his being. I must stay within the village walls, he thought to himself. These dummies serve me just fine despite their lack of motion and lack of countering. He imagined the other boys dashing between the trees, racing away from rampant beasts and slashing away from foes when the moment came. Nezo was probably testing out his emergency invisibility potion in a field of battle. Rainier was surely flexing his strength before even the most worrisome creatures. He looked down the length of his bow. Ding! 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 Hugo was still busy at work. But what if they fell into a trap? What if they came across more than just an animal? He gripped the lid tightly. Ding! 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 
Perhaps I should go see if they're okay. Just at the very edge of the forest. He spoke to no one but himself. In one swift motion, he got to his feet and made for the stables, the front of rock.